Yes, welcome in everyone. We are running a few minutes late on the live stream, but never mind. It is time for the weekly Full 10 Yards podcast. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We got all game all oh, Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, stood in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Yes, welcome in. We are here once again to discuss another fun week of action in the NFL. Plenty of big plays, plenty of big surprises as well. We'll get to it all throughout the course of the next hour or so. Let's welcome the boys in to the show. Tim, how are you this evening, my friend? I'm doing, I'm doing very well. I've just realised, obviously I can watch myself on the screen. I always I always start off a pod as if I'm listening to music. And I, I just remembered that like when you're on a quiz show and you've got a part of the segment where you're not supposed to listen to the answers, that's what I kind of look like. But I am listening and I am here, I am present uh, in the room. So just to, just in case you were thinking otherwise. Not at all. We, we've just been treated <laughs> to a full karaoke repertoire for the last 20 minutes while we've been setting up. That's why we're like, ladies and gents. Tim has been wearing us with his singing. Let's uh, welcome in Mr. Retro himself. Lawrence, how are you, matey? Not sure about wowing. Yeah, pretty pretty depressed at the moment. Doesn't matter what team I decide to <laughs> losing. So if you, want a team, if you want a team to lose, just ask me to say <laughs> that loud and they'll, they'll suffer a defeat. But I'm, um, I'll tell you what, I am, for, for as everything in life, I am blaming the weather. Seems to be a popular excuse. And a man with a big smile on his face, of course, Patriots fan. So he would have been happy with the Ravens' loss last night. Kieran, how are you, my friend? Two words for all the Patriots fans. We're back! <laughs> well, we'll wait and see on that. Let's not get too carried away. But yeah, huge win for the Patriots. We'll get to that and everything else along the way. Uh, and let's start off then, fellas. It was a important week for a number of teams and probably no more important than the battle in the NFC West. We said it was probably the best division in football, certainly one of the tightest divisions in all of football. And of course, in the big match between the Rams and the Seahawks, it was the Rams who obviously came out with the big W. Lawrence, talk us through it, buddy. Yeah, I mean, what what a division. We've now got three teams tied at the top, all with six and three records, Rams, Seahawks and the Cardinals. So if anything, for a neutral, it's going to be an exciting race to watch. Um, I can't imagine there's a there's a whole ton of kind of Rams, Seahawks and Cardinals fans out there. So kind of it's, it's just going to be fun to kind of sit back and watch these two, these three slug it out for the rest of the season. And, you know, just a tiny little shout out to the 49ers who at four and six probably could have been six and three if they hadn't lost half their team due to injury and, and had to start the, the delightful Nick Mullins. Um, but, you know, it's things are the way they are. So, yeah, we've got a three horse race there, definitely, um, with with seven weeks left. Um, I think I've got a question, not not it's a kind of rhetorical question, but will the will the real um, LA Rams stand up because I'm not quite sure who the real Rams are yet. Um, yep, they're six and three, but they've had losses to the Bills, the Dolphins, and the 49ers. Four out of their six victories have been against the NFC East. And, and not that I even know who this team is, but probably Appalachian State could probably sweep the NFC East at the moment. Um, it really wasn't a, an entirely convincing win 
against a team that is giving up a historic amount of yards, kind of over 400 and something yards a game. And they, they gave up 408 to, um, Seahawks gave up 408 to the Rams um, on Sunday. And, and, you know, arguably the Rams should have put up more yards and more points. Really, they should have. It was, it was a bit of a disappointing performance, to be fair. Um, the game itself, um, Rams have a 10-play opening drive, four bath kicks a field goal, and then the Seahawks come straight back. And with Chris Carson out yet again, he was a, it was quite an early injury report. So I think that came out on the Saturday. Um, they brought in Alex Collins, who kind of came back from the dead from um, bouncing around the um, Seahawks practice squad. Um, for his second appearance of the season, he, he did little against the Eels last week. This week, scores on that 13-yard touchdown run. His first rushing touchdown scored since week 10 of the 2018 season when he was with the Ravens. And there was quite, he was projected to be quite a, you know, a stud back at the start of 2018, if you remember. Kind of, he was a relatively high fantasy pick and he kind of faded away in 2018 and then completely disappeared. So he's he's coming back, but not in the biggest of ways. So back to the game, the Rams came came flying back on their next drive. And I think the the one thing that I would say, and I know this isn't a fantasy pod, but whatever you do, just don't pick any Rams running backs because they just have a three-headed backfield and you absolutely never know who they're going to go. It's not even the hot hand. It's just kind of like per drive they seem to be picking, um, whether it's... Um, you know, um, Daryl Henderson, who kind of, he he took that drive. He scored the one-yard touchdown. And then we get Malcolm Brown. And then we've got um, Cam Akers. And, yes, this is one of Cam Akers' shoes that I bought off Facebook. And there's, <laughs> there's his autograph. Got it, for, oh. got it for 30 quid. I don't always knew why. that pen would come in handy. Yeah, I don't know why I've got Cam Akers here in my hand, but there we go. Obviously, that's what that's what a lockdown does to you. Um, so then, Big Russ gets the ball back. Um, he does get intercepted, but that's called back. Um, and then an intentional grounding penalty kind of killed the drive. Rams then delivered drive of the day, thirteen plays, ninety-three yards. Mixed a bit of Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown. Along with a short passing game, the you know little Cooper Cup catching some balls, Brown scores from the seven on a third and two, and then Russell Wilson did find Tyler Lockett on the next drive, nice thirty-nine yard hookup, but again the drive stalled and that kind of that finishing by the Seahawks, that kind of that that kind of in the red zone finishing seems to be at the moment lost um, with Russell Wilson, which is a which is a real shame. Myers kicks a field goal. Both teams then committed turnovers within two plays. Goff was absolutely bushwhacked by Jamal Adams and Jerome Reed picked up the ball. Russell Wilson gets the ball back and two plays later, he gets picked off by Darius Williams um, on a deep pass to, you know, trying to get, trying to hit Will Disley, the tight end. And interestingly for Darius Williams, it's his fourth interception of the season. So this is a guy that no one's talking about, but, credit to him for his fourth fourth pick of the season just over halfway through the season so you know he, he's looking for having a good season then just at the half an absolute monster possibly the field goal of the season that wasn't necessarily a game winner but a 61 yard absolute boomer 
from Jason Myers. And you kind of saw the relief on his face. He kind of he couldn't quite believe it himself that, he, that he'd scored. And it got the game within four at the half. And then what followed for the Seahawks was um, absolute trash. Punt, punt, fumble, interception. And then Myers gets his third field goal with 25 seconds left when it didn't really matter. Um, for the Rams, they took their opening possession of the second half, 88 yards. Josh Reynolds, who had a really good game, had three catches for 46 yards on that, that touchdown drive. Malcolm Brown gets his second short touchdown. And that was it. That was all the Rams needed. Extra point was missed, but that didn't matter. Um, we kind of then we kind of look at kind of some notes from this game, really. Um, Seahawks are now Norton three in their last three road games, having allowed 104 points in those three games. So as as we've been saying, this is not a playoff team. You're not going to get in the playoffs when you're allowing kind of 34 points a game on the road. Um, Russ has now thrown seven interceptions in the last four games, which is very un-Russ-like, considering we were talking about him three weeks ago as an MVP candidate, almost a lock MVP candidate with maybe Kyler Murray sitting there kind of behind him. But it was the Russell Wilson show for the first six weeks or so. Um, and the Rams were the first team this season to hold Russ to under 60% completion rate. So kind of that that was a quite a significant stat there. As well as um, Russ not performing well, DK Metcalf went missing again. So that's the second game that he's gone missing um, against a divisional foe. Two catches, 28 yards. He had two catches for 23 yards against Cardinals. So for all this talk about DK Metcalf being the, you know, the best thing since sliced bread, he's had two stinkers already in, in 10 weeks. Um, and for the Rams, Jared Goff, his fourth 300-yard passing game. He was sacked three times. And I've just got to kind of do a little side note here that veteran offensive tackle Andrew Whitworth, who is out with a torn MCL, this could potentially be, considering how old he is, it could be the last time we actually see Whitworth suit up. Um, so if we do, I want to pay absolute credit to a magnificent undersung career, no Super Bowls, you know, he reached one, but kind of hasn't won one, spent the majority of the time with the with the Bengals. 215 games, 211 starts, four Pro Bowls, two All-Pros, and he was college national champion with LSU back in the day as well. And he's a really good guy, donated a quarter of a million dollars to a local food bank earlier on in the year in Los Angeles. So just want to give a little bit of bit of credit to Andrew Whitworth. Gents, what anything to say on, on Andrew Whitworth? I agree with what you said. I think you know he's been a, a an unsung hero throughout his career, and like you say, because he hasn't had those postseason appearances, he, he probably gets overlooked when people talk about the the best offensive lineman in the game. But he's certainly been consistently up there. Uh, just in terms of this game, I think just for me, and then we'll move on to the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who, who bounced back in style yesterday. I think when you said about you know will the real Rams show up, I think you know we, we often talk about the offensive side of the ball. I think especially with the Rams, because of Sean McVay, I think we all expect the offences to put up tons of points. That's what they did a couple of years ago, isn't it? They were putting up 30, 40, you know, even 50 points in a game pretty consistently, and everyone just assumes that that's the way that they will go. If you actually look at this defensive side of the ball, they, they play a real suffocating defence. 
I think I saw a stat earlier today. I think in is it six out of eight games they've held opponents to three points or less in the second half of games. Uh, you know, so this wasn't a one-off. You know, you mentioned DK Metcalf. I think he's in Jalen Ramsey's pocket, mate. That's where he is. Um, you know, Jalen Ramsey was superb yesterday. You know, he has his fair share of um, critics, but credit where it's due. Jalen Ramsey played an absolute corker. Um, you know, so I think you know, for me, I think the Rams probably unexpectedly, considering the head coach that's there and how they have been playing over the last couple of seasons, probably more a defensive first team. And uh, we always say defence wins championships, don't we? So certainly in that uh, division, I, I, I really fancy the Rams in this game. It's it's surprising really how hot Seattle were. And, you know, I think most people I think the Rams actually started out as favourites in this one, which I don't think you would have seen two or three weeks ago. Um, I think we're all in agreement that the, the Seahawks, probably not Super Bowl contenders with that defence. I still think they will make the playoffs. I think the... Um, the NFC. Well, yeah, we'll talk about the playoffs a little bit, possibly later. But uh, I can certainly see them gaining as one of the wild cards in there, at least. Um, but uh, we'll come to that in a bit. A team that will be hoping to obviously avoid the wild card. They're in a bit of a ding dong battle with the Saints in their own division. I am, of course, talking about the Bucks. Um, obviously, got walloped the week before, um, and we expected a bit of a bounce back. And I think uh, you know, forty-six points on the board, Tim, suggests that they uh, certainly did so. They certainly did, yeah. Like I say, um, obviously getting absolutely embarrassed um, against the Saints last week. Uh, needed to bounce back and, and bounce back. They did. Uh, I, I realised when I was writing my notes for this one that we it's actually this was actually the uh, the TB initials uh, the TB initials bar, wasn't it? Teddy Bridgewater, Tom Brady, TB. But anyway, so it's uh, yeah. So none of them got tuberculosis, which is good news. Um, yeah, both teams um, <laughs> exchanged early blows in this one. Um, obviously, Colin Thompson, the tight end, we all started in fantasy this this week. Uh, obviously, opened uh, opened up the scoring. So, uh, well done if anyone even knew who he was. Um, but there was, there was just some really good offenses in uh, offense in in this game, and some lovely throws, um, some lovely touchdowns. Um, in particularly Mike Evans, whilst it's not, it wasn't probably the most um, the most eye catching touchdown. The the hand strength he had to get two feet down and then control the ball all the way down. How many times do you see a, a, a player fall down, like with their arms stretched and the you know elbows bounce off the off the floor and um, the the ball comes loose and he obviously had a defender on him as well. So um, yeah, really nice um, touchdown for that one. Probably will get overlooked. Um, <laughs> Ronald Jones would probably um, look look back on it. Yeah, he, he wouldn't be surprised if you saw him get benched. But he overcame obviously an early fumble to the, to then rumble for a ninety eight yarder uh, touchdown. Now, I don't, obviously, it'd be a, a main highlight that'd be all over Twitter and all over social media and all the rest of it. I don't understand why the defender chasing him kept. He was chasing him, and he would he would have got to him way before he got to the end zone. But then mm. just decided to sweep his legs. Why did you not just keep running and drag him down like DK Metcalf did again with with Buda Baker like last week? I just mind boggling. Um, yeah, just so he fell over, tried to sweep his legs, and Ronald Jones um, kept on <laughs> kept on running. Um, but yeah, obviously. Bruce Arians and um, especially with Leonard Fournette and some other guys there, you, you weren't, wouldn't have been surprised that if that early fumble could have seen him kind of drop to the bench and that was it for the rest of the day. But obviously Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would have been happy that um, that he stayed on the field and continued to get carries because obviously it paid dividends. Um, Carolina, I, I just think it, it was a kind of one of those games where they just couldn't quite keep up. They've they've performed admirably well, you know, through through what nine to ten weeks of the season now. Um, Tampa Bay just kind of put a bit too much heat on, and, and Teddy Bridgewater couldn't quite just keep up with them. Um, 
the Jason Pierre-Paul interception um, was, was kind of a bit a big one. And um, yeah, Tampa Bay just then kind of pulled it on at the end. You know, it's just like watching you know, old school Patriots, wasn't it? Uh, Gronkowski bombs down to the sideline and Gronkowski touchdowns from Tom Brady. Um, but just another couple of notes, um, another t- Tom Brady sneak touchdown. I, yeah, he seems to be doing that a lot this season. Um, I, didn't, I know he'd done it. He was quite famed for it at New England, but he's, he's got quite a few this season, isn't he? Um, and Antonio Brown, again, uh, he was kind of, would dare I say, under, under the radar. Obviously, he had seven receptions for 69 yards. Nice. But um, there's, so many, there's so many weapons to go around. And I know, obviously, Mike Evans got a lot of receptions in this one. And Chris Godwin uh, made a few decent third down catches. Nice adjustment on the sideline for one of them as well. Um, Antonio Brown, seven receptions, 69 yards. As I say, not many people will raise too many eyebrows like that. But some of them were, were quite yards after catchy. Um, so he... So he he looks he looks like he's getting better, you know. Whether it all falls off the wagon, uh, you know, next week is, is yeah, he's just always, could always be around the corner with Antonio Brown, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I, it's quite interesting. If you cast your minds back to a couple of weeks ago, do you remember on Stats Life where I was talking about Teddy Bridgewater's stats on odd and even weeks? Um, he's he's actually uh, on odd weeks uh, on even even weeks. His pass rate and fluctuated, so he's actually got a, a little bonus stat for you here as well. Um, Tilly Bridgewater has one plus uh, one plus interceptions in even weeks numbers and no interceptions on odd weeks. So he's continuing he's continuing the uh, the, the statistical uh, what's the word Sym- symmetry uh, as we get to week ten, which is quite some doing. Indeed, mate. The stats do not lie. Yeah, he, he seemed a bit off yesterday, even that uh, touchdown that you mentioned to Colin Thompson. And I don't know, do we make good old XFL boy Colin Thompson? Um, <laughs> Even that throw wasn't particularly great. Um, so, yeah, not a mm. great day at the office for, for Teddy Bridgewater. I think in terms of the books, I think it has the potential on paper to be the best offence in the league. But I don't think there's much question about it. If you look at the potential that's there, if it clicks, it could be fantastic. I think the big difference this week is Brady just seemed to find the open guy. The distribution to the wide receivers was extremely even. You know, it wasn't particularly targeting one individual. Um, you know, I think, what was it, six, six and seven, I think, was the sort of receptions between Evans, Godwin and, and Antonio Brown. Um, like you say, a couple um, to Gronk and Cameron Bright also, you know. So, again, not focusing on one tight end target. And, uh, and like you say, I think that we're always going to make a concerted effort to run the ball this week after essentially not bothering <laughs> with it at all last week. So, yeah, like you say, Ronald Jones certainly paid off big style there. Um, and obviously, like you say, yeah, they are going to be feared come playoff time indeed. Um, a team that everyone thinks or expects will obviously get to the playoffs and everybody probably had it on their card this week as the biggest banker of the week. And it didn't quite work out that way. I'm talking, of course, about the Green Bay Packers. They essentially, Kieran, just about eked out a win here against the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars, didn't they, mate? It was uncomfortable to watch at points. I mean, if I told you going into the fourth quarter it had been 17 all, would you have believed me? Let's, let's be honest. It was not something you expected to see. Jake Luton as well, the... Not only is his second name one of the most depressing places in the UK, he plays like a depressing player. He <laughs> he he he's not accurate with the ball. Out of thirty-five dropbacks, he only managed to land eighteen passes, and most of that was done because he has great receivers like Keelan Cole and DJ Chark, who really don't get the recognition they deserve because of who they're they've got under centre. I will say Keelan Cole, great um, return touchdown. 
off off the uh, kickoff. That was fantastic. He just turned on the Jets the second he hit the 50-yard line and no one was touching him. Uh, also, DJ Chark took a few good catches in this game, but both guys under 50 yards. Oh, sorry, DJ Chark had 56 yards. But very, very muted offense. And then Aaron Rodgers, uh, the only real super bad throw he made this game was when uh, Sidney Jones picked him off. But Sidney Jones has been playing great all year, obviously just because of how bad the Jacksonville defense has been. He's kind of been another guy who's under the radar. But the biggest thing we saw this game, Jake Luton is very clearly in over his head. He He's not... He's not. I know they gave the Packers a great run for their money, but he's not an NFL-level quarterback. And I think just the Packers... This is one of those games where it, it's a type of win that's important for a team. Because when a team is prepared to go into the trenches, get scrappy and get a win at all costs. It might not be pretty, but it proves what a team is made of. If you are willing to go out there and fight for every damn yard against a terrible bloody team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, this really proves what you're made of because they wanted the win more than anything and they weren't they didn't care how they got it. Aaron Rodgers played great. It's Aaron Rodgers. I know he had the pick, but he still managed to put up 325 yards. Then uh, Valdez Scantlin, big target this game. We sort of we knew that the Packers needed a number one receiver who wasn't called Devontae Adams because people tend to cover him up a lot. And Valdez Scantlin did this game. He had a touchdown, 149 yards. Only had four receptions, but he had that one big TD play that, that really opened the game up for the Packers. And that was super, super interesting to watch. I think people, it, it's hard to cover Devonte because he does something that all receivers are told not to do, which is he does a little hop step on his release, which should never do because it just ruins your leverage, especially if, if you're getting pressured on the line. Um, but yeah, Devonte Adams was sort of muted this game. I know he had eight catches, but they weren't, big catches that we're used to seeing from him. And he had obviously a great touchdown, but Valdez Scantlin really, for me, was the player of the game because he was all over the shop and people, people were really uh, struggling to sort of deal with him. I think because he's an unknown quantity in that respect, but yeah, this, this is a very, very important win for the Packers. And I think actually, despite the team it was against and despite the struggles they had, I think it raises their stock because it says, Hey, we don't care what the score is. We don't care who we're playing. We're going to get a win by any means necessary. It was very scrappy. It wasn't pretty to watch, but my God, it was, it was an ugly win that shows what this Packers team is made of going forward. Mm. Everyone in survivor pools everywhere can breathe a sigh of relief like I did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we were all on uh, on the uh, on the Packers in our survivor league, weren't we? Um, yeah, I think, like you say, the. Um, yeah, Valdez Scantling, like you say, that big sort of seventy-eight yarder was a was a cracking play to open up the second quarter. That sort of give the Packers a little bit of a spark after a scoreless first quarter. Similar to what Tim said about Mike Evans catching the end zone earlier, the uh, the Devontae Adams touchdown was an absolute beauty. That was a a ball that he went up and high pointed. Um, you know, slightly you know, slightly dissimilar, I suppose, in terms of the way that he came down with it. Um, you know, without the pressure around him, but um, you know, still an excellent catch. And, and like you say, the Packers are are right there in the thick of it, and uh, you know they're they're certainly going to be playoff bound, aren't they? Just the way the schedule worked out this week, boys, there seemed to be quite a lot of games that sort of were um, conference by conference. So in terms of doing a bit of a roundup of a few results, we'll just put on the screen the results 
of the three other games that were all NFC related. Um, the Saints 27, the 49ers 13. Uh, we've talked a lot, haven't we, about the 49ers injury problems. Obviously, the big news coming out of this one is the fact that Drew Brees playing initially with um, already some damage to the ribs. He was actually wearing um, you know, protection around his ribs, uh, but it seems on, on a sack, which... I think I'm right in saying the guy was penalised for the play because he obviously came down and, you know, essentially all his body weight on Breeze. It was, you know, a violent-looking hit. Um, and Drew Breeze now apparently cracked ribs on both sides of his uh, rib cage and actually got a collapsed lung as well. Uh, optimistic reports are that it could be two to three weeks. Um, however... I tell you now, yeah. broken ribs is more than two to three weeks. I've had them. Yeah. Never in my life have I feared sneezing. If you ever get cracked yeah. ribs or fractured ribs, sneezing is the big. You know, you can take spiders, you can take snakes, you can even take claustrophobia. The fear of sneezing when you've got broken ribs. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it'd be it'd be very very surprising to see him back anytime soon. Obviously, if he doesn't come back, interesting that uh, when he didn't uh, return in the second half, it wasn't Taysom Hill behind centre. It was uh, James Winston. <laughs> So Jameis is back after eating all those W's. Um, <laughs> didn't exactly be asked to do an awful lot as Alvin Kamara pretty much took over in the uh, in the second half and the Saints with a pretty routine victory. Uh, anything but a routine victory for the Lions, 30-27. to 27. They were up big over Washington. And then Washington made a huge comeback um, and again just fell agonisingly short. Uh, with a game-winning field goal um, for the Lions as time expired. Alex Smith, actually the leading passer in the NFL this weekend, 390 yards. So we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, there's not many weapons in that Washington offense. Well, Alex Smith seems to be able to certainly rack up some yardage. Um, obviously, though, you know, the Washington football team will want to start racking up some wins. Go on, Lawrence. Just, just the one little point that it wasn't Alex Smith's fault for the loss. I'm not saying, not, not that you're saying it was, it was Chase Young. Um, Right at the end of the game, Lions get the ball back, um, and then Chase Young hits the court, hits Matthew Stafford late, and they move the ball. And then the absolute, absolute beautiful play call by the Lions to not do anything silly like go for a bomb and think, oh yeah, we're gonna we'll we, we'll kind of do something special. They deliberately went for like a 10, 11 yard pass just to move just within Matt Prater's field goal range. And, and you know, 59 yards to win a game is still a pretty magnificent feat. So, you know, credit to the Lions. And I think just, just a great play call to just get that just amount of yards just to get into Prater's field goal range to, to kick the winner. So, yeah, well done to the Lions. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And the final game just ticking along the bottom of your screen. Who are we laughing at in the NFC East this week? It's the Eagles, folks. Giants 27, Eagles 17. Uh, Daniel Jones obviously remembered to put his cleats on instead of his slippers this time around. He uh, did some damage on the ground. Um, Giants actually been playing quite well over the last few weeks, fellas, I think. You know, they obviously pushed the Eagles right to a final play. Um, you know, obviously the Boston Scott play from two or three weeks ago now that, that ultimately won the Eagles that game. They pushed the Bucks close. They obviously beat Washington um, last week. Um, and now obviously got another win here against the Eagles. 
I know we've laughed and talked about it all season long, fellas, but the reality is somebody is going to win this damn awful division. And, you know, we've got the Eagles now at three, four, and one. We've got the Giants at three and seven. We've got the Washington football team, is it two and eight now? And the Cowboys um, at two and seven. Um, I I can't believe (laughs) we are this far into the season. And they are the standings in the NFC East. And it, it almost feels futile to ask you this question, fellas, but I'll just want one word answer. Who actually wins this goddamn thing, Tim? No, oh, I can't. Uh, Dallas, obviously. Oh, he's, he's back. He's back in the game. He's back Come in the back. game. <laughs> Kieran? Uh, I think they default the division and we pick somebody out the AFC North. That's <laughs> division right now. I like the idea of that, mate. But if you had to pick a winner, if you like depending <laughs> on it. Uh... <laughs> I think the Eagles, just because they're the least terrible. I think Carson Wentz, probably not the best starter, but I think by the last few weeks, they'll start Jalen Hurts and he'll actually pull them out some wins. Ooh, interesting. Florence? I'm going to shock the world. I'm going to go with the Giants. I I have this feeling that they're going to do something. Their defence, you know... Blake Martinez and and company are playing some lights out football. And, you know, as long as Daniel Jones doesn't kind of get shot each week by an invisible sniper, you know, they they stand a chance. I mean, he he is slightly looking like Forrest Gump when he runs. He has got that kind of like duck-feeted run, but, you know, it's, it's somehow working. And, you know, it's, it's all about, how are you playing right now? And they've won their last two games. So the right now is in the Giants' favour. And it's just, you know, it's just that it's just it's that it's the most insane division that who's to say the Giants can't just creep up and at seven and nine win the win the division. Oh uh, no, no, Lawrence, Lawrence. There I've looked at all the schedules. There is no team getting to six wins. There's no team getting to six wins in this division. Yeah, we did have a little look at that earlier. If you, I mean, I mean, the Eagles are obviously still the bookies' favourites, and at the minute they're sort of in that position by that half game tie from earlier in the season. Um, and who knows how important that might be come the end of it? Um, but yeah, the Eagles' schedule is horrendous. They've got Browns, Packers, Seahawks. It's yeah, not looking good. Anyway, fellas, let's move on. Let's move on to the AFC. So, for the most part, there is another big NFC team that we'll talk about in one of the games, as that was one of the only cross-divisional battles. Well, let's start on Sunday Night Football, and we mentioned it at the top of the show. Um, Obviously, the Ravens continuing to struggle, Lawrence, and ultimately come down in Foxborough. Yeah, I mean, this is... It's one of these ones. Let's kind of do a... Let's do a glass half full and a glass half empty scenario. So if you look at the Ravens with the glass half full, after week 10, they're 6-3. and three. They're seeded in the current playoffs. Yes, just. They are the seventh seed at the moment. Um, but that is that is kind of officially where they're at at the moment. And then if the glass is half empty, you can look at the fact they're three games behind the Steelers in the division. They're on a downward trend. They've lost two of their last three, and they've probably only had one decent half of football in in the last three games um so yeah i mean in reality the ravens are you know they are suffering but 
I mean, the the weather was absolutely shocking on on Sunday night, and it caused the Ravens to have their first game in 32 in two full seasons where they failed to reach 20 points. So I know that was one of um, Tim's stats life that we had recently, but that streak ended uh, rather abruptly um, with a, a really, really ridiculous kind of fourth quarter. Um, and for the Ravens, their situation is getting worse. They're kind of doing a little bit of a San Francisco on a smaller scale. They lost tight end Nick Boyle. Now, obviously, Nick Boyle is not the, the catching tight end for the, the Ravens. That's Mark Andrews. But they um, traded away their, their first-round pick, Hayden Hurst. He's, he's long gone. Nick Boyle was that reliable kind of you know short yardage fantastic blocker and you know the ravens run the ball so that you know that he's an integral part of that running game almost like a fifth offensive sorry sixth offensive lineman on the field and now he's lost for the season um which is significant after losing tackle ronnie stanley so that's two out of six of their kind of best blockers are now gone so that that's going to be hard to hard to conquer and they were playing without Calais campbell who I think it was he was on a some some ridiculous like a 98 game playing streak you know one of the best defensive ends defensive linemen kind of playing streaks in in currently in the NFL and that's that's gone away as well so you know let's look at it this way if this was like a, a wimp sport and any anyone watching this who's a fan of um, cricket or tennis for instance this game would have been called off <laughs> probably would have been called off before half time because you know we you know they would have gone and had a cup of tea but no not in the NFL they do not like cancelling or moving anything it really doesn't matter they're going to play through it and I, and I I I give credit to the NFL for letting the game happen unless there's something really bad like an electrical storm then fair enough but the rain it didn't matter if it just flooded they would have carried on the game so I'm just getting that out of the way, just setting the scene to obviously give give a bit of sympathy to the Ravens. Um, but really, but we've got to give credit. It's, to it's the not Patriots. working. Yeah, mm. really, we've got to give credit to the Patriots much more than the Ravens. It was interesting that the game, considering how wet the ball was and how liable things were to go wrong, there was only one turnover in the game, and and that was a Lamar Jackson interception. So, you know, credit to both teams. You've got to really kind of say that. You, you'd expect kind of like three turnovers apiece. But we'll come on to that in a second. So, you know, this was a this was a game, fourth quarter. Um, by the time that rain was absolutely lashing down, zero points in the fourth quarter, four consecutive punts and a failed fourth down by the Ravens when a really soggy pigskin went out of Lamar Jackson's hands to J.K. Dobbins, and it was just this soggy mess that he just it just went through his hands, and and that was it, kind of game over. <coughs> it actually started quite brightly for the for the Ravens. Lamar and Co. drove 94 yards, um, chewed up eight minutes of clock early. Willie Sneed has been pretty much the only person catching the ball for the Ravens in in recent weeks. Caught the touchdown. On that drive, Lamar was four out of four and had four runs. So, a nice bit of symmetry. I know Tim liked a bit of symmetry. So, there we go. A bit of symmetry for you there. But then Patriots stuck, struck straight back. Cam Newton found Rex Burkhead for a tying score. Um, Ravens then drove straight back up the field, gets a first and goal. 
um, after a really good, um, really good, I think Lamar Jackson's best pass of the day when he found um, Gus Edwards, probably his third or fourth target, kind of surveyed the field, found Gus 31 yards up the field, um, three cracks from the nine, settled for a tucker field goal. And then following some hard running from Damian Harris, Josh McDaniels dials up the play of the day, dug very, very deep into his, you know, little bag of tricks um, and used Jacoby Myers, who's a former quarterback who was converted to wide receiver at college, found Rex Burkhead for his second receiving touchdown, a 24-yard catch, and arguably the, the biggest, most significant play of the game there. And kind of that was... That was kind of that was the real kind of that was the hurting touchdown there. Um, Lamar Jackson then gets the ball back and he's still driving nicely, five of five before he's then picked off by J.C. Jackson. And let's let's already put J.C. Jackson in the in the Pro Bowl um, and possibly make him an All Pro. Um, he's leading the league in interceptions. He's got six, and this was a Patriot franchise record. His fifth consecutive game with an interception so well done to JC Jackson um and then it kind of whatever momentum whatever the Ravens had it kind of crumbled very very quickly in the third quarter Patriots who we know are famous for their halftime adjustments came out first two drives 10 points um this was in sandwiched in between a, a botched fourth down attempt when the ball gets snapped, Mark Ingram fumbles it. That was just a disaster. Um, and then the following drive that the Ravens had, Matt Skura fumbles the snap. And it was Matt Skura, the, the, the Ravens centre, who actually had three fumbles on the day. All recovered by the Ravens, but three fumbles from your centre. I'm not sure he's going to be starting next week. Um, that was pretty abysmal. Yes, it was wet. But three fumbles by your centre is pretty unforgivable. Um, somehow, Lamar Jackson did manage to get um, hit Willie Sneed for his second touchdown, making it a six-point game. But as we know, from there on, the heavens absolutely opened and, and the Pats hung on. A few little notes here. Big game for Damian Harris, 121 yards on 22 carries. So credit to him for holding on to the ball. Um, nobody on the Ravens stood out apart from... Matt Skura's ineptitude. Um, and then bizarrely, this is one that um, I, I found, you know, just, just bizarre in a stats world. Um, the Patriots didn't register a single kick or punt return in the game. Thank you. There you go. Go on, Kieran. You, as a, obviously a resident Patriot fan, I'm sure you want to have a, have a your little say. Yeah, I was a little bit bad at the Ravens to start because... Uh, Gonoshevsky called for a fair catch and still got hit. I was a little bit salty about that, I'll be honest. Uh, but I think we've finally found our running back one. Damon Harris has consistently, when he's been given the ball, showed out. Sony Michelle, for some reason, just can't get it cracking like he could in college. And Damon Harris obviously comes from a lineage of great quarterbacks at Alabama. So he's really, really been opening up and really being our best weapon this season. Cam's been... You know, Cam looked good last night, but rest of the season, he's 39th in touchdowns thrown. There, there's only 32 teams in the NFL, which means <laughs> there are backups with more touchdowns than our starter, which is terrible. 
Um, yeah, Patriots last night. That is a Patriots win, though. That is what we do. When the weather is horrible, we go out there and we ram the rock down someone's throat. And that's what we did to the Ravens. The, the rain grounded them yesterday. They couldn't get anything done. But I don't want to hear excuses because even though the, the Ravens couldn't do it, the Patriots could. So you've either got to admit the Patriots are the superior team or you just, you know, we'll, we'll get into that later. But the, it, was, it, was a, it was a perfect signature Patriots win. When the weather's terrible, we go out there and we do what we do. We, we run the rock down a team's throat and we, you know, we didn't need to pass it that much. But once again, another guy who's not been on many people's radar, Jacoby Myers looked fantastic. He, he caught a bunch of passes last night. He threw a touchdown pass, which is actually incredible. And it's not often you see a player play that well who, who was undrafted. But the Patriots do this thing, you know, before the season kicks off, we're like, oh, we're looking a bit thin at every single position. They go into a local Walmart. They pick out I got Jacoby Myers, actually, before in the NFL. He was just on the tills. And we went in and said, hey, buddy, Clock out. Come on. We're, we're bringing you down to Foxborough. And now, now he's just been fantastic. And last week, Cam set a record, actually, for hitting the most completed passes to uh, un- undrafted receivers, which is a fun little record. Uh, yeah. So Patriots, signature Patriots win. And like I said before the broadcast, when we leave Foxborough, fingers crossed, we get a dome, but we can make it snow or rain inside the dome because then we're guaranteed eight wins a season <laughs> because apparently if you come into Foxborough and the weather's bloody terrible the Patriots are going to win it's just when the game started I was I, I thought honestly the Ravens were going to beat us because they've been you know despite their recent performances they've been looking good and then the rain started and I went that's Patriots. That's a Patriots game now. The second the rain started, I knew. So I think I think every every Patriots fan got a little bit giddy when the rain really started coming down. Yeah. Any 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 more Baltimore fans out there? Go and listen to a song by Bewitched called "Blame It on the Weather, Man." Ninety <sighs> back in the nineties. Tim Tim spent all day watching VH1 whilst he was doing his work at home today. Um, <laughs> just just a you know a couple of notes here um wanted to pay huge credit to the Patriots offensive line I think that that actually was the difference to the game not not Jacoby Myers you know got a little bit of respect for Jacoby Myers but it was that Patriots offensive line that is playing out of its skins you look at the 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 rankings the PFF rankings of the offensive line of the Patriots and Pretty much all of them are, are up there in the top five. They are doing an outstanding job. So if they if they found Damian Harris for for good and they can keep him and feed him the ball 20, 25 times a game, then that is an absolute formula for success. And I just need to make one tiny recommendation, um, which is can Bill Belichick's son please get a haircut? No, the mullet is fantastic. That mullet is that makes me want to vomit, and it was too early in the morning to vomit. But that mullet, with with without, at least at least his his dad had the decency to have a bobble hat on and you know not get his hair out. Um, but that mullet, oh my goodness, please, it looks like Billy Ray Cyrus gone wrong. Get, get his that powers. Cut right now. <laughs> 
if we started talking about hairstyles, boys, it must be time to move on. Um, let's uh, let's move then, Tim, to the team that lead the AFC East, and maybe the Patriots got a bit of a shot in the arm watching that final play in the game between the Bills and the Cardinals. Cracking game in the late window. Obviously, drama right to the very last. Take us through it, but probably the game of the weekend for me. It was, but unfortunately, we've only got a couple of minutes to do it. Look at it now. Um, yeah, it was a really, really real pleasure to watch this one. Uh, again, another another doozy by uh, by Sky Sports. We'll start off, of course, with the uh, Josh Allen. Uh, another uh, Talking of trick plays, obviously, from the Patriots game, trick play Isaiah McKenzie, uh, passing it back to uh, Josh Allen to scoot in for the score. That was kind of one uh, sign of things to come, obviously, in the second half. But it was actually quite a slow burner in the first half. I think it was, what, 16 to 9 at a half. Just lo- loads of long drives, loads of good plays, lots of good execution, but they're just stalling in the red zone or stalling... In, in plus territory, as Scott Hansen likes to call it. Um, Tyler Bass, another kicker. A lot of kickers had a good game, uh, good games this weekend as well. So lots of love for kickers this week, no doubt. All uh, for fantasy people that have kickers in their team. Um, oh, I did put up Jake about having Tyler Bass having using a bit of Albus oil, but I can. He's always quite... fishing for compliments. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, second second half, two rushing touchdowns for for Kyler Murray. He is so good on those keepers, isn't he? He's so he's, he's, uh, I'm not going to say Lamar Jackson esque because I don't want him to fall flat on his face next season, um, third season third season wall. But um, they're just they're just so good. Um, Kenyon Drake and obviously Chase Edmonds. Obviously, he, he, it's a, it's a bread and butter play for for those types of quarterbacks. But even they, they were kind of carbon copies. One obviously a bit further out than the other. But um, yeah, always a delight to go see him scooting in for the score because he does his little hop skip and he just does his. I don't know what he just gets a bit excited and he just seems to elevate off the floor, trying to make himself maybe seem a bit taller than five foot eight. <laughs> Although they're officially five foot ten, but we all know he's five foot eight. But anyway. Um, well, another crazy play from this game, Larry Fitzgerald um, catching the ball, but then just <laughs> seemingly just chucking it up in the air. And, uh, obviously, it was just the the bounce. Like we were talking about, obviously, Mark Evans' hands being strong. Obviously, Larry Fitzgerald had to adjust and and twist to try and bring the ball in, but it just essentially bounced off his hand and bounced up into, was it Jordan? Was it Poy up? Was it Poy with the interception? I can't remember. Um, but yeah, really weird, really weird interception, that one. And you think, oh, you know, that, that's Buffalo's chance to to take a stranglehold in the game. Um Late, uh, late digs touchdown. Um, late in the game, obviously putting them. What was it three, three points up or, or whatever it was? Anyway, but um, yeah, again, when he celebrated, obviously you could hear on his mic saying, "Oh, that's why you paid me." And he was going to shout all his mouth off because I think was it thirty-four seconds left. You think, you know, he, you've won. You've kind of celebrated a bit prematurely there. Um, but like I say, yeah, 30 se- thirty-four seconds left. A couple of timeouts for for Arizona. Um, and Murray, uh, 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 a hail, a hail Murray. I think you have to call it, didn't you? A hail Murray. I've literally just made that up. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> according to uh, Next Gen Stats or some whoever does the completion percentage, it reckons that they had sixteen percent. Um, percentage chance of completing that pass. Now, I don't know about you, but that's what one in six. That seemed that pass seems a lot higher to 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 make than a one in six. I'm thinking like one in twenty, one in thirty. Um, there's there's a couple of obviously people have been put out on Twitter similarly eerily pays that have been uh, Calvin Johnson one. I think was it against the uh, Bengals? I think a couple of years ago. But anyway, um, but yeah, what a play rolling out to his left. 
literally just a YOLO. He's, he's like watching Jay Cutler throw that, to be quite honest, up, in, yeah, up into the end zone. Uh, but Nuke, again, another guy with strong hands. It's sandwiched in between Buffalo defenders uh, coming down with the ball. Uh, commentators going nuts. Everyone in the stand at State Farm, State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona going nuts. Arizona Cardinals coming back to life like uh, Undertaker coming out of a casket in the last out, or was it a casket match, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, thoroughly entertaining game. Uh, loads of points, loads of highlights. And yeah, but probably one of your going to look back on it I think one of the best games of the season to be quite honest yeah it was a great game like you say it was uh, certainly an entertaining one uh, it didn't finish till what half past midnight something like that UK time but uh, certainly worthwhile staying up for I certainly enjoyed that one um, and obviously the Bills suffer a defeat there they're still pretty set though for the playoff boys in the AFC East but a team that potentially Kieran nipping at their heels and who would have thought we would have been saying this a few weeks ago but the Miami Dolphins win yet again are they actually poised to make a strike here do you think I said before the season that their defense would be top eight and people said why top eight that's a really bizarre number because I said they're not quite top 10 they're not quite top five I think I was wrong I think they're top five they have just played lights out this season and they are the the embodiment of the phrase defense wins championships the this miami defense has been nothing short of incredible everything they do is just amazing and it's all because of brian flores i believe we saw how good the defense he crafted in the patriots last super bowl win was he crafted one of the best defenses the league has ever seen and he had stars like Stefan Gilmore and Kyle Van Noy and uh, uh, Dante Hightower. He's taken a couple of those guys like Kyle Van Noy. And he's really made this Miami defense one of the biggest threats in the league. And they are the difference maker here. Because Justin Herbert, as we know, has been playing fantastic. But they kept him to under 200 yards. I don't think a team's actually done that yet this season. And when we look at this Miami defense, they are second st- the second scoring defense, they are the second best scoring defense. They are the best defense in the league on third downs, which, as we know, is a crucial part of the game. They're only sixth in sacks, but everything else, they are top five in. They are one of the best defenses in the league this year. And Tua, two touchdowns, eight, under 200 yards, but, you know, he did what he needed to be. Tua didn't look like some superstar rookie throwing bombs all over the field, but he came in and he managed the game and they played very, very well. He's obviously hit Jakeem Grant and I just want to give him a shout out because he's one of the only people in the entire five league. Yeah, he is. The most funny thing about Jakeem Grant is he's five foot seven and he's wearing a helmet most high schoolers wear, which I love about that. Give him a shout out for that. The Zenith of Shadow. Very safe helmet, but it makes him look like even more like a high schooler. Um, Gasecki as well. Only a couple of uh, receptions, but Tua just spread the ball around really nicely. No one had more than four receptions that game, which is the interesting stat. Um, But it was the defense that really set them apart. They managed to pick off Justin Herbert, sacked him, I think, twice. And they just... They do. They run such exotic schemes, and I know we're in the NFL, and we're used to a bit more complicated defenses. But they'll they'll hit you with like a cover one, and then they'll hit you with like a cover. Uh, no, sorry, not a cover one, a cover zero. And it it looks they stack the box like they're sending seven, and then they send four, and you you've got no one to throw to. They literally take everyone out of the game, even when you have guys like Keenan Allen who are 
up there and getting separated. They just take them out of the game and they're a non-factor. I will say one award that this game should get between the Chargers and Dolphins, prettiest uniform game of the year so oh, far. Mate. Both teams. Uniform porn, wasn't it? It almost <laughs> felt like a college game because of how beautiful most yeah. teams looked. It, it was great. Those The Chargers uniforms this year have been exceptional. Great redesign from them. And obviously the throwback helmets from Miami. Uh, but yeah, this is these these are both teams to watch. I know Justin Herbert, you're going to watch your site in rookie, but Miami Dolphins are six and three now. They might challenge the Bills for this division. This this could be one of the most you know impressive turnarounds in history. Last year they tanked. This year they're lo- they're looking at winning a division, and I think I think you've got to take your caps off to Brian Flores because he's the guy who's managed to do this. He's been fantastic. He knew last year they were set out to get a high draft pick and then they were going to get serious, maybe have a down year this year, but they've just found ways to win every single game. It's not always pretty. It's not always flashy football, but it's classic. Um, Lawrence will like this the most. This is old school football. It's smash mouth football. It's put your hands in the dirt and run forward football. It's it's just fun to watch. And and it, as a defensive guy myself, I am having fun watching them. So it's it's yeah. the kind of football where you kind of you want to get Zach Thomas back, don't you? You, want, you want <laughs> yeah. Zach Thomas. I mean, there's um. I'll, I'll I'll save it so so kind of any anyone watching or listening to the pod can um, look on the full ten yards website. But part of what I've done in my deep dive for week ten was a all surprise team. But you will not be surprised to find that there are two Dolphins defenders on that team. So I won't say who they are, so you can look them up. But there are two Dolphins on my my all surprise defense. Does anything yeah, that, scream more 2020 than the AFC East being competitive? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, it, I knew it was bad yesterday on Twitter when someone said, haha, the Ravens lost to the Patriots. And I thought, oh, my team is that team now. Yeah. We're, we're that team. So, yeah. but yeah, I think, I think the Dolphins, I think honestly the Bills are just a better team just because they've got a more experienced quarterback in my favourite for MVP, Josh Allen, Joshua Patrick Allen, to say his correct name. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think the uh, Dolphins, they play very much like the Las Vegas Raiders, and we know what Chucky's done. It's old school football. They're going to run the ball down your throat, and then they're going to hit you with some dinks and dunks, even though they've got a quarterback who make big plays. But they are very defence-focused, and I think, honestly, if the Dolphins make it to the playoffs... They could upset some big teams. And I, I don't think that's, you know, crazy for me to say because against good teams, we've seen what they can do. I mean, I know it was the Seahawks and they don't have a defense, but they even took the Seahawks close. And that was with Fitz Magic in the game. So, you know, th- this Dolphins team is one to watch. We say that. No, it most certainly is, mate. And as we get into the quick roundup of what's left in terms of the, the other AFC um, teams that played this weekend. Uh, it's one hell of a crowded playoff picture, isn't it, in the AFC? Good luck picking the seven representatives in this one. So let's start off back on Thursday Night Football. The Colts 34, the Titans 17. 
big second half from the Colts. Three unanswered touchdowns, including a blocked punt in this one. Jacoby Brissett also with a rushing touchdown. Um, big, big divisional win there for the Colts. The wheels starting to come off for the Titans. Ryan Tannehill all of a sudden only completing around about 50% of his passes for the second game running, uh, which is something that they haven't been accustomed to since he suited up there. Um, so, yeah, things for the Titans to correct. Browns 10, Texans 7. Doesn't su- suggest it was a very good game with the score reading like that. It was actually delayed 30 minutes for weather. Um, first time for me watching the Browns in, what, 12 years of watching every Browns game that I've ever seen one delayed by the weather. Uh, but, again, two consecutive home games were really, really affected by the conditions at First Energy Stadium. But the Browns got their running game back. They got Nick Chubb back. They got Wyatt Teller back. And lo and behold, uh, the two-headed monster of Hunt and Chubb put up 230 on the ground. Uh, it would have been 17-7, but Nick Chubb politely stepped out of bounds at the <laughs> one-yard line um, when he could have uh, put a second touchdown on the board. It cost me a few quid as I was on him to score two or more touchdowns. But I'll take a Browns win every day if it means uh, I uh, lose a couple of quid. Tweet him, he might give you the money for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's probably had several tweets about him costing people fantasy, <laughs> fantasy lineups yeah, and all yeah, sorts yeah. of things. This, yeah. yeah, but uh, it was a heads up play. Um, obviously, just spent as unlikely as it would have been for a Texans comeback. He just completely, obviously, took it off the board. Uh, a comeback that was never going to happen. The Raiders 37, Broncos 12. Oh, dear, what a stinker this was for Drew Locke. Four interceptions in this one. Raiders playing some really good defense all of a sudden, and another two headed monster of a running back committee all of a sudden. Sudden, Josh Jacobs really picking up the pace as we get into the second half of the campaign. We all thought that he would be good all year long, and he, he's taken a little bit of time to to get going. But get going, he finally has, and he's found a nice running mate, hasn't he? Devonte Booker. He's bounced around a little bit, but two touchdowns for him in this one. Um, so yeah, really impressive performance from the Raiders. They currently sit as one of the wild cards in the AFC race, and finally Steelers thirty six, Bengals ten. I went for a Cincinnati upset in my uh, weekly prediction. Kieran's nodding his head. We both thought it. Maybe it's just because I actually just find the Steelers abhorrent. I just can't bear them. But, yeah, they get the job done again, don't they? 36 points to 10. It was it was all over very early in this one, wasn't it? Turnovers from the Bengals didn't help. Um, I actually thought the COVID issues would uh, sort of wreak havoc with the Steelers' preparation, but not to be. They improved to 9-0, and and like you say, with the Ravens, lost three-game lead in the AFC North, and probably that division now could be all over by the shouting, so plenty in behind for wild cards. We'll get on that in a moment, but Keenan wants to make a point. Uh, quick note about the Steelers and something I'm very salty about. So you guys remember the Saints got fined for some shenanigans uh, in the locker room? because mm-hmm. of COVID protocols. Steelers did the exact same thing. No fine. So apparently that league is, that team is just immune. So I'm going to be salty about that. I'm sure you guys being in the same division can uh, moan about that too. But yeah, just, just so you know, the league doesn't care about the rules when it comes to the Steelers. They do seem to get the rub of the green more often than not. Well, I'll just leave it at that because I'll be accused of being biased. But, uh, yeah, still remain uh, undefeated on the season. Just in terms of that playoff picture, boys, we talked about the NFC East earlier um, and trying to pick a winner out of that. I, th- I think we need to give this a couple of weeks. But how on earth do you even go about thinking who the wild cards might be in this AFC side of things? You've got the Colts and the Titans 
Um, you know, both now sitting at six and three. You've got the Browns and the Ravens at six and three. The Raiders at six and three. The Dolphins. I mean, I mean, of all the years for the Browns to finally get good, they pick a year when everybody <laughs> else in the AFC is good. We could end up with ten wins and still not make the bloody playoffs, which would just be about typical for me. I mean, I do like the Browns' schedule, all jokes aside, and the Browns have got the easiest looking schedule on paper. Um, they've got the Eagles this weekend. They've still got to play the Giants, still got to play the Jags, still got to play the Jets. So you'd like to think there's at least three um, or four more wins coming for Cleveland, which would take them to nine or ten wins. Um, I think the Colts and Titans are going to be you know, nip and tuck the whole way through, aren't they? The Raiders got the Chiefs on Sunday night football, uh, but they've obviously already beaten the Chiefs this year, so they won't have any fears going into that one. Uh, really, really exciting, isn't it, in terms of what potentially is around the corner over the course of the next few weeks. Right then, fellas, let's have a look then at some winners and losers for the week, as we always do. Just going to pick a couple of winners and a couple of losers. Uh, So, Lawrence, let's start off with yourself and give us a winner, my friend. Guess who I've picked? Denver. Denver, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the we've we've just started talking about them. I think the Raiders are the least talked about six and three team in the entire NFL at the moment. They have crept up to six and three, won their last three in a row, and played some pretty convincing football. They are just outside the playoffs as it currently stands on on the on NFL.com based on whatever tiebreak procedures there are. But you know, one slip from the Colts, from the Ravens, from the Browns, and they'll be they'll be there. They'll be into that seventh seed and looking to creep up even further as they go along. And joining the fact that they're the least talked about team, arguably Derek Carr is the least talked about quarterback in the entire league. And look at look at kind of what his record is at the moment. 16 touchdowns, just two interceptions well into the second half of the season and a, and a 107.4 quarterback rating. The It's going to be, I've all, I'm already calling it here and now that the Chiefs-Raiders game this weekend is going to be the game the weekend. And as we've just said, Sean, you stole me thunder there. Thank you very much. But they... they you know, the Chiefs' only loss of the season has been to the Raiders, and the Raiders put 40 up on them. So that's that's kind of the the, the bareface statistics. Um, what makes it a little bit spicier is that Andy Reid's already um, spitting some feathers at the moment, um, and he's already stoking this one up, saying he was mad that the, the Raiders' um, entourage drove their buses around Arrowhead Stadium after the win, um, kind of when, you know, travelling back home. So it's 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 all fun and games. And I absolutely love divisional rivalries that go back, back, back. And, and you know, Raiders Chiefs, again, bit of uniform porn, you know, silver and black versus the red and white. Fantastic to see. So I'm 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 absolutely looking forward to that. And you know, the the Raiders have just been quietly going about their business. 
Now they haven't, like you say, just to just to correct you slightly, mate. Doesn't normally correct you, but the Raiders actually sitting in the fifth seed as it stands. Oh, are they? Um, yeah, oh. they are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Raiders in the, the Browns that are sitting in the eighth seed. Then, Is yeah. That right? Thanks for yeah. Thanks for that, mate. Yeah, Raiders <laughs> trolled. Reeled him in. He's reeled him in. Yeah, so Raiders in the fifth seed at six and three, Dolphins in the sixth at six and three, Ravens in the seventh at six and three, and then on the bubble looking in, the Titans would be eighth at six and three, the Browns ninth at six and three. Ninth? Oh, okay. Yeah, ninth. I'll keep quiet. I'll keep quiet. Sorry about that. That's all right, mate. Don't you worry. Right, Tim, let's come to you, mate. Let's pick a loser for the week. Um, cover your ears, Mr. Lawrence Voss. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens are a big fat loser this week. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't buy the weather stuff. Both teams had to do with the weather. Yes, you can prepare for it, but Baltimore's hardly in a dome, is it? Um, yeah, they had exactly the same conditions pretty much as, as, as uh, New England did. And they just seemed to be, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago about, um, when they lost, uh, I can't remember who they lost to, but you remember when I said about the Colts game being an interesting one for their response and the way they play? Obviously, they won that game, but it's still... And also, a couple of weeks ago, do you remember I was saying about Lamar Jackson possibly lacking in confidence and his air of invincibility has gone? And I like I didn't say that I wanted to wish him a speedy you know, a speedy trip to the retirement home or to the to the, the dumpster fire. Um, it's, it's, it's not going away, is it? Let's be honest. Um, yeah. Yeah. Has he? Has have they and the Ravens been found out? Um, possibly. Um, certainly, the, the performances in the, over the last couple of weeks would, would assume so. But Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, big losers, and have a lot, a lot to, to work out. They do indeed, Kieran. Let's uh, continue the negativity. Pick us another loser, mate. Oh, I'm going to get so much hate for this. But uh, Russell Wilson, he's just looked terrible the past few weeks like we said seven interceptions in four weeks is is not Russell Wilson and I think now he's he's really maybe if he doesn't play lights out for the rest of the season probably fallen out of their MVP race and I think guys like Josh Allen and Kyler Murray are, are now looking to be favorites uh and also Lawrence uh I think said it last week Alvin Kamara uh, a guy who should be talked about for that uh Russell Wilson's completely just he it, I think what it is it's because his defense sucks so bad. He's trying to just make big plays constantly because he needs to make up for the defense and he wants to get, you know, he wants to get the points up there early. And it, that's not like Russell Wilson because he's a veteran and and he takes shots where he needs to. And he played lights out up until the past four weeks. And I, I think, you know, we're seeing him unravel a little bit because you can't, you need a good defense to to win games, and uh, he hasn't even got, you know, he hasn't even got a rookie level uh, defense. I think this defense would give up points to like State. <laughs> no worse teams than that. <laughs> Liberty Flames. Well, they are ranked and undefeated, so you never know. But yeah, Ru- Russell Wilson's really, really fallen off a cliff um, last four weeks, and I don't see it getting better. I think now he's at the uh, it's at the point of no return this this season. Yeah, he's um, he certainly seems to be forcing things a little bit, doesn't he? I think he probably knows himself though that if the offense don't put the points up, that uh, it's not going to end well for Seattle. And like you say, he's just probably trying a little bit too hard, which is often uh, what actually holds people back in the end, isn't it? Uh, I'll finish with a bit of positivity, and how can we not sort of mention it again? I'm going to go back to that play of the weekend and the big winner for me, um, the Cardinals. Um, 
when they made that trade for DeAndre Hopkins, that was the exact type of reason that they made that trade. That's the kind of play that they wanted um, somebody to be able to make, someone that could make those contested catches, someone that can turn a good team into a great team. Um, you know, and he's had a quiet couple of weeks by his standards, um, but when he was required and when it was needed, he absolutely um, you know, came up with the goods. Uh, huge, huge play. Uh, great win for the Cardinals. And, uh, yeah, for me, probably my winner of the week. Um, right, fellas, as we always do, let's move on to a few stats from the week. Uh, so let's see what delights you've got for me this week. And who are we going to start with? Lawrence, let's start with you. I'll keep it on a... On a- Number one on a Kyler Murray tip. So Kyler Murray's incredible Hail Mary is going to be remembered for a long time. Absolutely agree, Sean. But in the 21st century, it is only the fifth longest bomb to win a game when trailing by four to eight points with 15 seconds left or or less. Can you name the other four? Aaron Rodgers. One is screamingly obvious. Three are not. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers versus Detroit. No. Wasn't that long. Matthew Stafford versus uh, Cincy. No, but there was a Lions touchdown. You're missing the obvious one, gents. Come on, think. No. <laughs> Over 50 yards to win a game. Last play. No, they're the only two I had. The Miami Miracle. That does that like... count? Yeah, of course it does. Doesn't matter how he got there, it, it counts. <laughs> oh, come on. The laterals threw me off. Yeah. Um the other the other three were Dalton to AJ Green in 2013, 51 yarder. Um Sean Hill to Titus Young in 2012 for the Lions. And and Sean. I'm, I'm giving you some Browns love here. Tim Couch to Quincy Morgan in 2002. <laughs> a 50-yarder versus the game. There you go. The good old days, mate. The good old days indeed. Tim, what you got for us first, buddy? Uh, I'll do my, 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 my second best one. There's a, I've got a cracker for my second one. Uh, first one is, um, we talk about Russell Wilson. The reason we'd be saying, obviously, Russell Wilson has been unravelling. Uh, Russell Wilson has three turnovers in back-to-back games for the first time in his career. Oh, yeah. Like I say, interesting. He, he certainly has been, hasn't he? And uh, just before we move on to Kieran for his first time, we've talked a lot about Wilson in terms of MVP and and obviously Kieran's got his uh, Josh Allen hat on. But uh, Ross, who's watching along, friend of the show, MVP, Pat, told you last week, boys, 25 touchdowns, just one interception. He's... He, he's as good as anybody in the league. I don't care what anybody says. He He's, for me, right up there. And uh, if I had to put money on it now... He's probably he's probably for me the front runner absolutely. Yep. Kieran, what's your first stat of the week, buddy? Both are Patriots stats, so mm. just strap yourselves in for that. JC Jackson has had an interception in five straight games, and he's the only NFL player to do that in the past five seasons. Yeah, we mentioned him earlier, didn't we? Playing very, very well. Um, that defense playing well overall, and yeah, JC Jackson certainly uh, a good leader in the back end of it. Right, second round then, boys. Lawrence, what you got? 
You've probably heard this one, but I'll give I'll give a little context around it. Matthew Stafford on Sunday is now tied with Joe Montana in terms of all-time regular season touchdown passes. So he's now 17th in NFL history, matched with Joe Call, 273. Three more, and he passes Vinny Testaverde, and 18 more, and he ties Warren Moon um, and surpasses Johnny Unitas on the way. But just to give it a bit of context here, Stafford's playoff record, Norton three and four total touchdowns. Joe Montana's playoff record, 16 and seven, 45 touchdowns, four Super Bowl wins and zero interceptions in 122 attempts in four Super Bowls. I don't care what anybody says. Joe Montana, to me, is still the GOAT. I don't care what the weatherman says. If the weatherman My- says he's raining. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, we could talk about this another time, fellas, because I'm a bit conscious of the time. But uh, I heard an interesting uh, line from somebody suggesting that Matt Stafford should request a trade at the end of the season. It's really interesting. This is uh, He's been stuck on some... He's been on some pretty poor teams, it's got to be said, hasn't he? Um, so, yeah, good uh, good career numbers, though, for Matt Stafford. Um, and, yeah, like you said, to, to even be considered in terms of statistically along uh, the lines of what we've just said there, you know, some uh, some feat to accomplish. Tim, your second one, buddy? Yeah, here comes the blockbuster, talking of feats. Okay, Thursday Night Football. It was uh, a certain player's birthday on Thursday Night Football. That name, that player was Naheem Hines. He is the only second player since 1948 to have 100 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns on their birthday. Uh, You won't get the other one. There was a Packers running back called uh, Samco Gardo, week 10 in 2005. Samco Gardo, I was just going to say that. You didn't even give me a chance to get in there, did you? It was just on the tip of my tongue. I I remember him. I I wouldn't have got him, but I do remember him. I do remember him playing. There you go. All right, then, Kieran, round us off, mate, your final one. Uh, Jacoby Myers is only the second player in NFL history to have a passing touchdown after catching 12 passes. Oh, very good, very good. Yeah, like you say, it was a good uh, it was a good play, wasn't it? And like you say, he was very, very heavily involved last night. He's been involved quite a bit over the last couple of weeks, hasn't he? So, yeah, like you said earlier, Damien Harris, Jacoby Myers, all of a sudden, Patriots found themselves a couple of weapons. I think the most impressive one out of those six there, though, boys, I've got to give it to Tim this week for the birthday stats. I did like that one. Yeah, Naheem Hines. Uh, yeah, good. Uh, what a lovely birthday present, absolutely. So, yeah, smashing. Good work, Tim. The, the only reason I thought it was good was how many times do you see someone catch a touchdown and say, oh, on his birthday? But to think, obviously, birthday people, to, it's not actually that hard of a – well, it is a hard stat to do, obviously, but I just thought it was interesting there was only two people that have done it. Yeah, no, well, like you say, it's um, – well, Winner. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. You took the win this week. <laughs> I was just, I was just trying to work out how, what percentage of players probably never get the chance because obviously the NFL season's only four months old. But yeah, my maths, my maths brain isn't on tonight, so we'll move on, fellas. We'll move on. Let's start looking then very briefly at week eleven. We're already up at an hour and fifteen, so boys, let's keep these very brief. Just some. Quick, quick takes on a couple of the games that are coming up over the course of the weekend. Kieran, let's start with you, my friend, because it's Thursday night football to start us off for the week. Big game. We've talked about both these teams throughout the course of the pod. Seahawks and Cardinals, mate. Looking forward to this one? Uh, Yeah, it's going to be a fun game. I think if Russell Wilson could maybe 
recover a little bit, he can maybe make this game a little bit more interesting. But I, I think if he keeps playing how he's playing, the cards are just going to absolutely blow him out of the water because their defense has been fantastic pretty much all year. I mean, it's not top tier by no means, but it's been a very, very competent defense and the offense is just clicking. I know Kyler's got quite a few turnovers, but in terms of what these guys can actually do, it's ridiculous. And th- they're going to have to QB spy Kyler every single play because he, he he takes off more than Lamar Jackson at this point. Um, but honestly, I think it's quite a comfortable win for the Cardinals. I don't really see any scenarios where they lose unless they play absolutely abhorrently. So, yeah, I, I think it's very, very safe money to put on the Cardinals this week. It's amazing how everyone all of a sudden selling the Seahawks out of out of complete existence, isn't it? Uh, I'll tell you what, the, the schedule makers have done a great job with Thursday Night Football this year. We often get some stinkers, and, and don't run, we'll have the odd one thrown in here and there, but last week we had Colts and Titans. This week we've got Seahawks and Cardinals. So, yeah, really good one to start us off for the week and one potentially to stay up into the early hours for. We talked about that crowded AFC playoff picture, Lawrence. Two of the teams with 6-3 and three records go head-to-head in terms of the Ravens and the Titans. You looking forward to this one, buddy? Yeah, but I mean, this is this is it's. I think it's going to be uglier than than we think, or as ugly as we expect it to be. the The Titans have lost three out of their last four. The Ravens have lost two out of their last three. Titans haven't put over twenty four points up for the last five weeks. They're allowing four hundred and eight yards a game, um, and the the Ravens are just going to be angry. They're going to be angry, and if they can't win this game against the Titans, then you can start kind of closing their season down. Because don't forget, this was the Ravens team that last season lost two regular season games. They've already lost more after nine. So, you know, this it's a it's a massive game for the Ravens. They've got to somehow bottle up Derek Henry. And as long as they can keep Ryan Tannehill on the field and, and him kind of still performing under par... It's it's just about winnable, but I think the Ravens are. It's starting to show when you've lost the likes of Ronnie Stanley, Calais Campbell. Um, you know they're they're big big names that they've lost. So low scoring. I can see the the Ravens kind of just about scraping this. Probably something to do with Justin Tucker and Stephen Gotskowski settling this. Well, if that's the case, I think I know where my money would be going. Certainly, <laughs> <laughs> certainly after this season. Tim, um, final one we'll talk about in terms of what's on the slate. We mentioned it briefly earlier, but of course, big one on Sunday Night Football. Raiders Chiefs, um, again, another one that's uh, wet to the appetite in terms of a late night for all of us here in the UK. Yeah, obviously, Lawrence was saying that they've kind of gone under the radar. Obviously, they're priming the spotlight on Sunday Night Football. Um, dare I say, probably... A- potentially a division divisional kind of decider in this one. Obviously, Kansas City Chiefs win. There'll be too many games clear and obviously have the equal head-to-heads with the Raiders. But if Raiders win, they'll, they'll be within one one game of them. Uh, like you say, one, one in week five, 40 to 32, uh, annihilated them really, a li- to, to, be, to be quite honest. But Andy Reid is 22 and five off a bye or uh, the bye in, in the postseason, uh, 18 and three off a bye in the regular season. So uh, Andy Reid, obviously, usually good when he's got two weeks to practice. Um, obviously, like Lawrence has said as well, he likes... Um, historic matchups this one obviously will go goes all the way back into the AFL in the night in, in 1960 um, but in recent times Kansas City have, have had their had more than their fair share of wins 12 and 2 uh, prior to the week 5 loss in the year you go back to the the game with Michael Tre- Crabtree with the double defensive hold in or you've got the uh, Jamal Charles slash Latavius Murray blow up game on Thursday night football um, 
Yeah, Vegas 2 and 2 in Allegiant Stadium, obviously their new home. So, not obviously, it's not exactly a fortress, is it? Um, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, but the, the Raiders, like I say, they've put up 300 yards every game so far this season on offense, uh, generally through, through the ground. And they possibly match up quite well against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Rush defense, 29th in terms of yards allowed and 27th uh, in terms of yards per attempt on the ground. So Josh Jacobs and, like I said, Devonta Booker could also uh, have a good game. But Patrick Mahomes, um, like uh, like Ross said, 25 touchdowns, one interception on the season, 2,687 yards. Not He's not going to be too far off 5,000 come end of the season. Um, but yeah, retribution and vengeance on the cards for KC um, sh- should be a, a, a good game. Um, but I think Kansas City off a bye will, will have too much. Yeah, there was a similar sort of game at a similar sort of time of last season where the Raiders were putting a bit of a run together and then the Chiefs handed them a loss and they sort of, you know, faded away after that. So be interesting to see how the uh, the Raiders have improved 12 months on. Go on, Kieran. Yeah, I think the biggest difference maker between the Ravens and the Chiefs is the fact that the Ra- uh, the Raiders have a great run game. They, they the, the Chiefs can't defend the run at all, and the Raiders play like it's the 1990s or the 1980s again because they just smash the ball through your throat, and then once you get used to sort of absorbing those big runs up the middle from Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr starts carving people up, and the second they start you know, putting out some man coverage and stuff. They go straight back to the run. So they're a very hard team to deal with. And I think this is going to be a battle of Andy Reid versus Chucky, not Patrick Mahomes versus Derek Carr necessarily. Yeah, certainly will be a good one to watch. Um, You know, I can't see anything other than a Chiefs win, but I probably said that in week five and obviously the Raiders won that one. So let's wait and see what happens and what goes down. Let's have a look then, fellas, very quickly at the rest of the slate. I'll just whiz through what we've got on the docket. Pittsburgh and Jacksonville. You've got to imagine the Steelers are going to improve to double digits without defeat. Detroit at Carolina. New England at Houston. Philly at Cleveland, Atlanta at New Orleans, Cincinnati at Washington, the Jets looking for their first win still at the Chargers, uh, Miami at it's Denver, not Denver. I can't spell properly, so apologies there. <laughs> Any Denver fans? It's D-E-N, oh, not D-E-N. Broncos. Denver. The Cowboys refreshed off their by and Tim says still in divisional reckoning. They go to Minnesota. Minnesota obviously still to play tonight on Monday Night Football. Green Bay at Indianapolis. That's another tasty-looking ding-dong, isn't it, that one? So Green Bay on the road against the Colts, obviously now in divisional lead in the AFC South. And we've mentioned KC at uh, Las Vegas on Sunday Night Football. And quite possibly, fellas, we haven't talked about it, and uh, you know, let's we're, we're, we're out of time, so we won't uh, discuss it in any great deal of depth. We'll obviously get a written preview out, but potentially a real classic to finish the week on Monday Night Football as well with the Rams and the Bucks. Uh, and as we said, the Rams' superb defense against Tampa's superb offense. So that one could be interesting to see where that one goes. Uh, there's been plenty that we've got through over the course of the last hour or so. But as ever, the stuff will still keep coming your way over at Full 10 Yards HQ. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, takeaway day. So, written format of some takes from the weekend. Um, you know, look out for that. We landing at some point tomorrow. We'll obviously get you set for week number eleven with all of your game previews and all of your TV games covered in more depth, etc., etc. Once, of course, we know what the TV games are. Um, obviously, more regular stuff coming out from 
college fantasy. Myself and Tim will be back on Thursday for the quiz. Eight and one now on the season, mate. Fantastic work. Absolutely fantastic. So, Looking yeah, myself for the playoffs already. Uh, indeed, mate. Division, <laughs> div- div- big divisional winner. The uh, the fun never stops, does it, at full 10 HQ. Right then, boys, it's time to get out of here. So, as always, I'll come in to see if you have any closing remarks before we close things down. So, Tim, anything to close with this evening? Blame it on the weatherman. <laughs> I have thoroughly enjoyed your singing tonight, mate. It's been an absolute treat. Who needs live music and when you can have Tim singing to you through lockdown? I mean, what more could anybody want? Coming soon to a mass singer near you. <laughs> Kieran, anything from yourself? Yep. Friday, I'll be recording a special episode of Kieran's Corner with a guest, head coach of the Independence Pirates and featured on Netflix's Last Chance You, Kiyoshi Harris. So that'll be one to look out for coming out the following week. Yeah, look forward to that, mate. Certainly do look forward to that, indeed. And Lawrence, anything to close us with, buddy? Yeah, I've, um, I've, I'm picking up my 1962 draft, which is the merger of AF, AFL and NFL teams in in my 20 20 team league. And in my first round, in the ninth pick, I picked up a guy called Cookie Gilchrist. And if you don't know who Cookie Gilchrist is, he was part of the Bills backfield that won an AFL championship back in 1964. But have a look him up. Look him up on YouTube because decades and decades before Colin Kaepernick ex- existed, this guy was championing human rights. So honestly, fascinating watch. Find some little little five-minute kind of um, montages about Cookie Gilchrist. Fascinating character. Will do indeed, mate. We don't call you Mr. Retro for nothing, do we? All that knowledge back to 1962. There you go, ladies and gents. Uh, That's it for another week. We'll, of course, be back next Monday to review all of the weekend's action. But until then, it's bye-bye for now. Uh, Bye-bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com